Hey everybody, this is John Dominate, and welcome to the 36th episode, the first of 2019, of In the Spray Room, sold po- sold's podcast with some of the best and brightest artists getting up in the streets today. We're bringing out the lighter side of these creatives by interviewing them in a more relaxed environment, but this is just one way that the Sold team tells the wonderful stories of these artists. For our daily dose of online content, check us out on soldmagny.com, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Today's crew consists of myself, John Domine, uh, Odd Bite Girl, Hello. and Brooklyn's own Big Ronnie. Happy New Year! Thank you. Before we introduce our special guest, Big Ronnie, tell us what's going on. Well, Happy New Year, John. Thank you very much. Happy New Year, Bike Girl. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, Stella Bella. Hi, Happy New Year. 2019, all new resolutions, all new things to do. You know what this year is going to bring us, Bike Girl? Uh, 365 opportunities. Wow. Are you ready to seize them? Hey, 2019 has already been better than all of 2018 in the first five days, so I'm up for anything. (laughs) Can't beat that. (laughs) So we're very happy. It's 2019. We're very happy to be keeping the sold podcast rolling and on schedule. 36. It's 36 full-length episodes. We're getting ready um, to have a midlife crisis. Soon. Yeah, and we are interviewing more and more interesting artists that are doing more and more interesting work. Uh, I'm going to say more and more interesting as much as I can today, because we are John. More oh, and more I know interesting. it. It just you forget. There's about a lot it. going on. How many how many days are you in town for? I leave on Tuesday. <laughs> so we're good. And this is going up on Monday. So there you go. Uh, bye. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the things going on. Uh, coming up, I- January 17th is going to be the first anniversary show at Third Ethos that yes, it is. Sold Zone Bike Girl is going to be helping with. Yep. How's um, that? What is, uh, what's the big plan there? I'm so excited. Um, we have a great theme because she's entering her second year. Shout out to Connie, who Third Ethos has now become a really cool local hotspot. Great place to find art for sale year round. Um, the theme of the show is Terrible Twos. So we're asking the artist to bring out their inner toddler, get as rude as they want, um, as creative as they want, and basically just kind of throw a tantrum all over the gallery. So it's a multi-artist show? Oh, yeah. We've got a pretty good lineup still looking for, because it's a really short turnaround because the show is opening on January 17th. So we still have a couple of spaces here and there, but a good lineup so far. Um, any two-year-old artists Platter. we can include? Any any prominent, any, any prominent two-year-old any artists? Two-year-old I think artists? the kiddest is ten years too late, mm, but he would have been good. Probably not. All right, so it's a little too specific. All yeah. Right. So some other things that are going on. Uh, shout out to our homie Leaf. Had a lovely solo show last night out in Ridgewood. Or on yes, in Ridgewood on Center Street. Happy to hear that that went well, and happy to hear that uh, Bike Girl was so moved, so compelled by oh, seeing new is, work. It was just really good stuff. I'm just, I'm told. You sound him, surprised, but I have a lot more faith in. Well, it's not uh, Leaf's so much work. that I'm surprised. It's just that I've, I've seen what he's done, and this really is taking it somewhere else. Um, this is not like anything he's put on the streets. Um, I really encourage everybody to take a look at the depth and layers and some of the new things he's doing. And he's got a message. And it's it's really, really good stuff. Cool. Depth and layers in leaps. 
Next show that we just had, or is it, I'm sorry, is coming up, is the Red Envelope show. That one it opened. It was last, yeah. Yeah. last over. night. It is the year of the pig, John. Now, I know you bought some red envelopes last year. I heard you saying earlier it might be interesting to, you know, get all 12 years of artists. But would you want the same artists or 12 different artists with the 12 I don't years? know. That's a hard one. I, you know, my taste in, like, the, the art changes year after year. So... I don't think I could commit to a single artist Does for your taste 12 years. Does change or are you simply eclectic? Thank you. That was a question. Oh, um, I'm probably a little bit of both. But I think I just am a... Eccentric. I, I have a very limited attention span in general. So I think uh, I need to have a variety of stuff surrounding me in, in my place. So, Well, with that, we're going to take it to our special guest today. He is an artist... He is an illustrator. He is a writer. He's got a nice beard. He's letting it grow. I like it. Today we have Mr. Ramiro with us. How are you, sir? Hello. I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, this is pretty exciting. I've listened to some of the other ones, and yeah, man, this is cool. I'm going to put you cool on the to spot. See you in oh. here and for people to actually take the like, look at the photos and see what's in here. There's some awesome. Uh, is that original Bob Kane? It is. Wow. <laughs> There's some cool stuff in here. Yeah, Big Ronnie's a. Anyways, big, uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> yep. Thank you very much. I uh, these are my comic book stuff from the '80s in our in our dining room, and Erica lovingly tolerates them because people of respect and means tolerate them. I think I think is what it is. But uh, so yeah, let's let's get into your your feel, brother. You are a very direct, literal artist when you have a message, aren't you? Um, yeah, so I, I think sometimes, um, sometimes like for example, the exhibition in the series Hell in a Bucket, which is about the 2016 presidential election. Um, yeah, that was pretty on point. Um, it wasn't on anybody's side. It was just kind of, you know, an, a book of illustrations about, uh, about the election. So yeah, that one was pretty straightforward. Um, some of my other work uh, isn't. For example, um, the new series of work that I have called Familias, which is about families immigrating and emigrating from different spots of the world or throughout the country. Um, that is not as direct because what you're looking at is images of happy families and people moving and traveling and stuff. But it is about that kind of movement that uh, not just immigrants do, but also people uh, within the country moving from like Florida to South Dakota must be pretty different do you think a Culture lot of people shock. do that florida south dakota <laughs> yeah, that's I, don't a big yeah. Uh, I don't know yeah um, there's oil in south dakota so yeah there's people a lot are of jobs yeah, up I there mean, there's a that, lot yeah. of jobs up there right has now. john been to south dakota i have not but oh. i you know what i think there's a there's somewhere i want are to you go kidding to there's somewhere i've is, been that you have not been custer custer <laughs> national forest is an awesome place over oh. there we went so is badlands oh yeah yeah badlands is beautiful um, but yeah, I would say, you know, uh, it kind of just depends on, on the, the kind of work that I'm doing and where I'm thinking about showing it. Now, <clears throat> your style, your figures, your family, your world is immersive. These are actual characters and actual people. These are, this isn't just fiction that you're painting. It's not just another character. Can tell us a little bit about that world. Are they all? They're all real characters? I mean, like they're... The, the characters that you're painting, like that I, that I see on the street, they don't seem like they're, uh, are they all based on people you 
No, I no. mean, so I guess it kind of depends on like you would probably start off with like the process, the question of like what's your process or how do you go to create those characters. I mean, usually I travel everywhere with a little sketchbook and I'm just drawing all the time, just either characters or each sketchbook has a theme. So one of them is about words, another one about symbols, another one about faces. Um, so all the characters and I guess the style comes from so many years of you know doing characters until I finally I guess kind of chose or walked into what I decided I wanted my characters to look like um, and it's just a variety of influences from Ralph Steadman to the early Fleischer brothers um, to you know uh, yeah. groaning in the Simpsons what was your favorite Fleischer stuff um, I mean, Betty Boop, of, of course, course, is course. Just, I was like, gonna go such an iconic. I mean, they, I, I think they animated Superman mm-hmm. um, and uh, just a bunch of the earlier, earlier things that they did. There's a great documentary on YouTube that if you're interested, you should watch about them and their uh, feud with Disney and kind of how all that came about. Um, but, you know, them, um, Todd McFarlane from Spawn, and then, of course, just all the other illustrations and things that are, like, coming out. I see a little high times coming why in every you, once in a while. Why did you just say Todd McFarlane? Say, say R. Crumb, but just Why did I say Todd McFarlane? You just blew my mind. It's my favorite artist of all time. Yeah. And uh, I can't say that around most street m- artists what? because I'm not respected for the comic book genres. Uh, well, that's a bunch of bullshit. No, um, I that. mean, I mean uh, Todd McFarlane is easily one of the best illustrators and creative minds of today, just because if you look at starting from, not starting from, but he started in, Spi- this is going to get so Let's do it. No, I want to <laughs> hear it. He started in Spider-Man. Like, that's how they got him to start, you know, doing the comic books. His Spider-Man was so awesome, so different. Then he moved and he created Spawn with all the people at that he was working with in Spider-Man. And Spawn, I don't know if you guys know about, like, toys are cool today, but, like, collecting toys and a lot of those things started because of McFarlane toys. This is what I want to talk to you about is yeah. the business end of it. Now, I'm going to correct you on a couple of things. You're, you're a little off on my boy. Yes. So he, he's a Canadian who came to the came to the States in the 80s. He started drawing for DC. He started drawing Batman first. Yeah. Oh, Batman. He's okay. got some okay. iconic Batman covers that I have the books of. I love them. I'm going to get them graded and framed someday. They're just not my favorite books of all time. Then he went to Marvel, started with Amazing Spider-Man. He created a li- his first book, created a little co- uh, character called Venom, which mm. of course is in every the soup the the, the movie here's movies now. His first book is worth two grand, blah blah blah. But Todd McFarlane did two things: he took the old newsstand print, the comic book panels, and made it full cover, full gloss inside the magazines. He changed the entire industry from crap newsstand stuff that is meant to be crumbled and disintegrate in 50 or 75 years, and he made it, no, I'm going to charge two I'm going to charge 3 bucks a book, and they're going to be beautiful. Inside and out. He was the first Graphic guy to... novels. He was the first guy to take the quality of the cover inside the book, in my, in my opinion. He's one of my favorites. I'm collecting his 90 uh, Spider-Man run. It's got like 30 variants of it. Anyway, off comics. But yes, Todd McFarlane, dope, and that's why I do the banners because he oh, signed yeah. all he signed all his shit, his all his signatures were in yep. banners. Anyway, very cool. So let's get back to the political stuff. Sure. Now, sixteen and the election and things like that, uh, for, the the Trump election was a was a big deal. Yes, for life, for, for society, and things like that. Why was that something that you felt you needed to put a book out about? Um, I think like any artist. Um you know, I wasn't politically involved in a, in a cause. I wasn't volunteering somewhere. I wasn't. So uh, you try to find, well, well, then what's the solution? Where can I help? You're kind of desperate. 
And I think for myself, as well as many other artists, it was just kind of a way of, of dealing with it. Self-therapy, um, a little catharsis. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I could sit there and I made this for me mm -hmm. um, because every single one of the illustrations makes me laugh. They're really about like stupid jokes that they all made about each other. Um, so for me, it was a way to kind of process everything. And I think that, you know, something, a book like this, even though it's just illustrations and everything, it, I think it's like a, an important piece of American history because it does capture all of the jokes and all of the ridiculousness that was going on during that time. Do you have further plans for more political stuff or just uh, if it comes? Um, well, I don't know about like political. I know that I'll probably be doing something... I don't know. Probably a lot. I have ideas like a book called The Departed about all of the people that Trump fired or left. <laughs> office. And that good. would be more of like a high school yearbook kind of style where we have all of them. Oh, that like would be hilarious. And stuff like that. I love it. Um, but I think more on the side, I think I'm finding as like I'm getting older that um, we have. This is just my thought. And, you know, it's nobody else's. But. As an adult and as a person, you have a responsibility here in this world to children and nature and to, you know, all kinds of other things. And I think that while I enjoy drawing things that I like and things that, you know, that help me process things, I think it's also part of my responsibility. And it doesn't have to be anybody else's, but to try to use my work and my skills to make myself a living, but also partner with other organizations to fundraise for them, to bring money for them, and to uh, make them seem like issues that are going on with the ocean, issues about immigration, issues about all these things that I think I, I think because of where I come from, also I have the responsibility of, of doing that. So um, where you come from, tell from us Argentina. what you mean by I'm that. I'm from Buenos Aires in Argentina, and I moved uh, you know, with my family to the States when I was younger, back to Argentina, and then finally settled in, in Worcester, actually, in... Uh, in around 99 um, and actually today uh, I was like super blown away and so uh, so happy because um, Grace and I and another artist Beloki uh, in 2018 we painted for Pawa Worcester um, and today Che Anderson who's one of the people that kind of helped shout run, out to Che shout out to Che um, he came by and he brought me uh, a key to the city from the mayor Oh, sweet. Oh, nice. Congratulations. Me, like That's this, huge. This like full like circle. circle. Yeah. It's like, it's like this is where we moved to from Argentina to like and now pursue look this thing, this, you, know? you know. And now, you know, all the artists got it, but I'm just so happy to, you know, to have gotten something like no, that. No, it can mean, I can see where it can mean a whole lot more to yeah. you. Oh, because for sure. And my parents. You basically know? like, the, my like this. My dad's a doctor there. Like, that's where we live, and that's where we moved to, and that's like a, <laughs> so I was like really, uh, just really happy to have gotten that, and very thankful to the city, uh, and to Che, and to everyone, Jessica. The program, the well. whole, I mean, what they're doing in Worcester is pretty amazing, what they've yeah. accomplished in the last three years. Powwow Worcester is a great, great, it's a Great, fun of, mural festival. Absolutely. And the city embraces it. That's what I love is that, you know, they put on like a locals versus artist soccer game. Um, they do all these other fun things to immerse the city in with the artists and what's going on. And I think that's what makes it such a, a great thing for the city. And the city's so receptive to the art that it's a wonderful place for artists to go. Yeah. My Yankee fans are going to kick me in the nuts for asking a question about Boston people, but let's talk about some of your buddies from back there. 
uh, Jeff Enriquez, Chris Soria, some of the guys back in the day. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, shout out to both of them. Chris's twins. Unbelievable. Oh, they're um, so adorable. Chris, they're both, both of them are unbelievably talented people. I mean, Chris and everything that he's doing uh, with Mark and the Pumpkins. And I also worked with him um, uh, and, uh, what man, I forget what this, jeez, uh, uh, I forget. Yeah, with Gransville Mural Projects, which is a nonprofit working with, with kids. And we worked in Bronzeville painting murals. Chris is a genius. He's an amazing person. Uh, and same with Jeff. Jeff's talent and skill is pretty unreal um and uh i go back i go way back with him to this other gallery that used to exist on montrose in waterbury called the exit room um and that's where i had first met him and then we started to hang out and uh yeah he's also he's one of the funniest he does great accents <laughs> and he, he's and it, you shouldn't do him on him he's he's so funny dude we know I love what's gonna happen the next time we get him in the room <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know you but just sold so jeff good. out i'm personally not a big fan of his french accent but that's just me i know yeah, yeah it's I, know, good. I know it's good it's just it just makes me laugh you know when you're having a couple of drinks you just will toss one but funny story about jeff is that you know um my name is ramiro and he's and his name is jeff uh, and I just look like a white boy, and it looks like my name should be Jeff. So me and him collaborated on this on this this wall one time, and we show up to the people who are hiring us, which was Sugarlift. Uh, and like the dudes come out, and uh, they like approach us, and Jeff is eating, you know, like some some like roast pork and rice and stuff. And the guy comes up and he goes, "How you doing, Jeff?" And I was like, "Nope, I'm Miro. That's Jeff." And he was like, "What?" <laughs> like shocked. And then you know, of course, like, "Oh, of course, no problem." But yeah, That's yeah they're both great. So you so you speak about you, you know you did uh, work with Groundswell you've done a lot of um, you know you're obviously your mind is around more than just yourself it seems like you're you're thinking about the greater community and I know you went to Haiti to do some you were doing yeah. some work down there can you tell us a bit about that um, as short as I can yes because it's a long one but um, I was invited by a nonprofit uh, organization called Trellis Arch uh, they invited they had actually reached out to JPO. Um, JPO uh, reached out to myself and to Denton Burroughs um, as, as artists to go down there. And basically, we were invited to go down um, and paint some murals at some schools. Um, Haiti is a beautiful country, amazing people, delicious food, an, uh, just an epic, epic culture. It was such a great uh, experience. Not, not, it was such a great uh, place to be, but... Um, you know, the country really needs some serious help. And uh, I think it like made me think about or just, I guess, put people in reality. I'm like, oh, I should bring a skate like a skateboard uh, park or something here to them. No, dude, like they need doctors and, and like roads and, you know, serious things that it helps you focus on. OK, then, you know, if we fundraise, we're not going to fundraise to give them markers for the school. We should fundraise to bring one of their doctors through a st uh, school program so that there can be a podiatrist or a dentist or whatever in each hospital. Or books. Um, or, or books or like, you know. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was, a, it was an eight-day project. We went there. Um, it's a, an extremely uh, difficult place to get things to work in. Um, one of the people, we were with uh, some, some Marines um, so they and some people from Haiti, some Haitian Marines. So they, they like knew what the deal was in order for us to get our paint. We had to go to the port, 
the guy had to get into a dinghy, go onto the cargo ship, unload our paint, which I have no idea how he ever even found our paint wow. in a cargo ship, put it in the dinghy, bring it all the way back, and then bring it into uh, where we were, which we were already now there. It's been like day four of eight days. Wow. So we had to really get painting. Um, but everyone was really, really thankful for you know what we painted. Um, it was strictly volunteer. No one paid for anything that we did. Um, so we went and, and we did all of it and it was an amazing time. And I highly recommend that, you know, it's difficult because there's so many communities that do need help, but I do recommend that if, you know, if you're interested, you do help if you have the means to, um, you know, to do these kinds of projects because they are very, very helpful for the community. And I think that it gives different perspectives to everyone. Well, and I'm sure the kids just loved it and, you know, seeing, you know, I can't, I haven't been to Haiti, but I'm imagining that it's, there's not a ton of color and painted things like where I mean, maybe it is. I don't There's know. a I lot wrong? of color okay. um, because like people like people will paint their houses and everything does have a lot of color. Um, the, like the little places where you exchange money have awesome signs. All of the barber shops have amazing like there's one guy that we met who was a teacher at a school and he was the guy who did all the barbershop portraits so there's like 17 will smiths that i saw you know with different (laughs) haircuts and like it's so it it, there's so much cool stuff um it's just that it's hard because of the everyday like they deforest a lot of people deforest a lot of things over there so that you can make charcoal well when that happens that means there's no trees which means there's no roots which means that when it rains which it does a lot you have mudslides that are coming down and taking out you know half of your village um so there's just so many things like that but the country was amazing and the the program and all the help that we were able to to bring hopefully we'll be able to do more and bring more money and you know things like uh uh, instruments and things for the hospital. Um, anesthesia. They didn't have anesthesia. Do you Ouch. believe that? Yeah. So when oh, you I get totally. into a car accident, you're, that's that. It was crazy. Hmm. I mean, simple Tylenol is a luxury. Absolutely. You know, socks. People don't realize the importance of socks. If you're in a wet country, if you don't have socks, your feet can get infected from cuts in the grass and things, and it can kill. Yeah. Diarrhea I mean, kills you. So great. imagine that. So just little simple things we take for granted. I always say we really do take flesh toilets for granted. And with that, I'll get (laughs) us back on track here. I I want to talk uh, a two-pronged question here for you. You have a business education. Yes. Unlike most artists, which I can't say about most (laughs) artists. uh, How has that prepared you to do the things with Drift on the Road? And that level of scale, management, coordination. Talk, talk to, talk to the, the listeners a little bit about what preparation really means in this game. Well, I think first off, um, I don't think it, the project would have been as successful if I didn't have the two partners that I had, as well as the videographer and all of the... We got so lucky. All of the extremely amazing artists that came on the trip because, dude, people barely complained. And that's crazy because we're like, you know, we're sleeping in the woods and eating at McDonald's and like, and that's all good. But, you know, that's 30 days. So I would say, first of all, without any of those things, I wouldn't have, you know, we wouldn't have been able to do the project. Um, I think it's just for me, other than the business school, it's just training. It's just like having sales jobs. And when I was 18, I ran my own house painting company. So I was going from house to house in February, knocking on people's doors. 
telling them that I saw it shipped paint in New England on their on their house and telling them that they need a free estimate. They're like, dude, either go home or come inside for soup. What are you doing? Um, I used to sell cell phones at the mall at a booth, not even at a store, at a booth. So, like, I would see someone walking by, and I'd be like, hello, miss. Hi, how you doing? Yeah, you have a call on this world's smallest cell phone. Just kidding. That's a pencil. But what kind of service do you have? Oh, my God. You know, like, all kinds of crazy shit like that. So I think that um, a lot of those sales things and just kind of the training of how to talk about, you know, what you're passionate about um, was really important. And I think that other than the art, the, the school, the business school, those kinds of experiences, which were just sales and sales and just taking no a million times and not taking it personally. Um, I think, I think that really helped, um, in terms of how to think about the overall project. I also directed an artist residency program for three years. It was part of the art students league of New York upstate that we had 84 international and national artists throughout the year. I'm mm. in a 15-acre facility with everything prepared for them. That was also one. And I had all the legal paperwork, everything that artists signed, you know, all these things that I was able to. So I think a combination of all of those things, um, yeah, just led to being able to do Drip Down the Road uh, as successfully as it has been. I have to say, your last, the last cycle, those two artists from Mexico... My gosh, their work is so good. Yeah, it was one artist, like, Trasher from Mexico, and oh. then McMonster's from Portland in Oh, Oregon. from Portland. Is he yeah. okay? I um, love his piece in First Street Garden. Yeah, yeah, that was a great oh, movie. I love yeah. the piece. Like, yeah. Lock, yeah. But the Trasher piece thing. in Bushwick is, like, next level. It's, yeah, it's so crazy. good. I mean, both of those artists, uh, again, unbelievable. We didn't know them. Um, we reached out to them because we enjoyed their work. Um, the other residency that I was part of, uh, was, you know, they just hired and got, they got different artists. And in this one, I wanted to have the artists that I really looked up to, illustrators, painters, people that were doing that kind of stuff. Um, but it's a big team that you took out there. You didn't just go out with your two homies. You took artists that you didn't know and a dog. How do you yeah. mitigate? Oh. How do you, you can't mitigate? leave the dog. Only the best dog in <laughs> the world, But how do you though? mitigate Seriously. if Yuki doesn't like one of the new artists? It's not like you can say stay on oh. this side of the RV and you stay on the other. If, you got to talk to her dad about that because right. John, if she does anything, he's like, you know, he's a good dad to her. So Well, he, I have right. to say, She's though, if do Yuki that. doesn't like you, maybe you shouldn't be coming on the trip anyway. Yeah, for sure. If Yuki Seriously. doesn't like you, you got to go home. Yuki's yeah. like the best judge. I mean, that's your judge of character right there. So we we skipped over uh, what Drift on the Road is. Basically a one-month residency program via RVs and creative. One RV, isn't it? Yeah, or? I think um, the way that I talk about it is it, it's a traveling artist residency program um, that's based out of an RV. Um, so far, those are the kinds of trips that we've done. Um, so, yeah, that's it. And the idea is just to, like I said before, I had uh, seen so many people apply to this other residency program and not get in, I had actually invited and gave Jeff uh, Enriquez a scholarship to attend that project, and he was there for a month upstate. Um, but I had to fight for him to go up there because I saw how talented he was, and you know he hadn't really done a residency or anything like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, the it's it's a big group, um, and it's just you know a lot of things are in balance all the time, and you just kind of have to be. Uh, flexible, um, patient, and uh, just know that when that month is over, you're going to want to be back in that month and that it was just such an epic time. So how much of the whole, I mean, I know you know 
generally well where you're going to be going but how much of how many of the walls are secured before you go is that all planned out ahead of time or is it kind of as you go it's like a it's like a 80 20 um i would say that uh we work with all kinds of different partners who get us, you know, once we know kind of our cycle and where we're going and what month we are, then we start reaching out to different nonprofits and people. And it's just sales. Again, it's just getting your phone, calling, looking on the Internet for walls, nonprofits, people who would be interested in working with this kind of stuff. Um, would you like see, to work with Sold? Because we need some help there, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk after this for sure. Um, but basically, it's, it's lining all of these things up. And our partner has been Paps Blue Ribbon. Um, PBR right. and so actually McMonster who came on the past uh, on the last trip he was a PBR can winner uh-huh. as well as Denton like Burroughs yes. and so the yes. r- way that we were able can. to partner with PBR is so because yes. Denton you know brought them in um, and we started working with them and then one of the things of why they gave us funding was to have uh, to bring McMonster with us and it was mm-hmm. a great great uh, example of a, of a partnership with such a large company where we're able to do what we want. Um, but yeah, I would say that sometimes like, like sometimes walls just are given to us on that day um, or when you show up or, you know, um, oh, sorry, this one fell through, but you have another one. So 80% of the walls are set up. And you had done, uh, didn't you do a do the road in, I mean, drip on the road, sorry, uh, in, in Worcester, the year before, you were part of the yeah, powwow? Yeah, so we okay. had done a, a shorter trip. It was a three-week trip. Uh, our resident artist was below key. Um, and yeah, the last exhibition or the last mural that we painted um, was with uh, at powwow. Um, oh, okay. And so, yeah, and we gave him the opportunity to kind of like, st- like direct the mural um, and to kind of, uh, yeah, design it because it was such an important thing uh, for us to be doing. Cool. So, without going too far back, you have a business degree. Yep. So, where did the art come from? And what was that moment when you said, I think that art's going to be the, the road? Um, I, I don't... I, I mean, have you always... Have, I mean, were you a kid that drew on everything yeah, that so, moved? Or yeah. did you just find it? I don't know if like, art is going to be the road ever. You know, like, I, think that, I think that's a part of life, um, at least my life. Um, and I do create artwork, but I also like to have my hands. I skateboard and I, you know, I do so many other things. Um, but I think that, uh, I've always been painting since I was a kid. I'm an anxious kid. We moved around a lot when we were younger. So I wanted to always kind of draw. And that was like the way that I, I guess, process things. Um, did some exhibitions, uh, my own little things when I was in college, um, at like a sub shop and all these things where I was like, you know, showing work. I was selling like little paintings for 10 bucks in high school that I had made, like little splash paintings and stuff. So kind of for really a long, long time. Um, and you guys came over or it was it just you or both you guys? No, not you. Not, not me. Her. Erica came over. Erica and she came, saw yes. some stuff from like the year 2000. <laughs> Um, and I was still in high sc- in middle school during then. Um, so I've been drawing for a long time. And I think uh, the real thing was when I went and I did my residencies in Europe. Um, I was working for some nonprofit, a nonprofit for three years, doing community gardening uh, management, uh, EPA work, all kinds of uh, nonprofit work like that. And uh, I, I applied to some residencies and I got in. Um, there are residencies that uh, I had to pay for. Uh, which for me was like kind of schooling again, you know, going back and and someone giving you a space to get out of your comfort zone and do your thing. 
And I think that was really kind of the time where I, I saw that people could make a career out of it. Um, and uh, I had a couple of friends who I had met that showed me that they were just illustrators for magazines, like one dude, um, illustrator for a magazine in Brazil. And I was like, what do you mean you can do that? Because I love to draw. You, that's a job? And he said, yeah, of course. And then he showed me Photoshop. Um, and that was crazy to me because I was able to move my characters and stuff around. So, um, yeah, I, I, I guess for a really long time, my first, like, I think, exhibit exhibit was with a gallery in Northampton, uh, Massachusetts called Faux Gallery, uh, which was a gallery that uh, had vinyl toys and uh, art books and smaller work and all kinds of, you know, kind of like Grumpy Burt, uh, cotton candy machine style. Um, and my, I would say my first real exhibition was with them. Um, and that was maybe in like 2009 or 10. Let's talk about the project that we shot you for recently. And, um, the office, uh, uh, project. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Um, yeah, that was an exhibition, uh, that I was invited to put on by, uh, Mighty Tanaka, Alex Emart. Shout out to Mighty Tanaka. Um, and he, uh, was working with Grand Central Tech, which is a, uh, like a green tech hub for green businesses. And, um, basically they have 25 or so companies there. And I just put up 30 paintings there, um, that were in my studio, 10, like four by six foot paintings stretched and then uh, a bunch of other paintings that were in uh, in frames, um, and yeah, it's it's been up for a while. Um, it still is up, and hmm. uh, you know, just kind of letting the thing flow, um, just because it it's so much work, and it, it would take up a lot of room in my uh, in my apartment and in my studio. And I think that you know they're they're happy with it right You're now. You're keeping so. those office workers happy with your with your beautiful. Yeah, hopefully so. It was such an interesting, you know, it's like that office space environment. And to see your characters there, it was like, oh, you got to be cheering these people up. Yeah, and they moved all the big ones together. So they didn't like them all separate, and they put them all together. And last time I went, I was like, I was so happy because I made those, like, for myself. You know, I'm not, like, I'm not selling these. Like, if you want them, of course, come buy them, but, you know. Um, so they made me so happy. And when I could see them all together, that was like the goal and they're big. So you're like, you know, they give you a smile, at least me. Um, so yeah, that's how that project came about and, uh, we'll see what happens with it. (laughs) Now let's talk about 2019 for you. Uh, we were talking earlier, you have a show coming up late June at the Corey Helford gallery in LA. Yes. Um, I am so humbled to have been invited to participate as an artist with this gallery. Um, they are one of my, f- they have one of my, f- some of my favorite artists uh, that they show in the gallery. And, um, like who? I like Victor Castillo, Mabs. Mm. Um, there, there's, there's, there's so, so many people, huh? Mm. Um, Sticky Monger. Um, we went, me and Grace went there, uh, last month. Uh, and just saw so much just epic work. They have the 12 by 12 collectors, uh, artist collectors kit up there right now. But, yeah, I have that exhibit. I have to create 10 new works um, that I'm doing. They're all going to be on wood panels. And um, it's just a very big opportunity. And I'm, again, so humbled and so excited to be able to work with them. Um, and I, I have another piece that I'm sending to them actually in February for a psychedelia show uh, that they're doing. 
Um, so yeah, I'm just working my butt off uh, for the next four months because that's when the paintings are due. Um, it's all going to be all new work and my you know my best my putting on my best work as best <laughs> as I possibly can. And um, the coolest thing is that uh, for my birthday, Grace got me a uh, an airsoft gun. Uh, airsoft, an airbrush gun, not airsoft. What are you guys crazy? <laughs> and uh, well, that would be fun, been, too. Like, fun too. Come on, the best. it's the it's so cool, and I can just like do these neon glows and shadows. So and are all you going to be like cobraing and doing using them for the wall like he does? Uh, no, probably not. Um, I mean that's a really small line, but I'm using them, you know, for for the paintings to you know kind of mm-hmm. create certain glows and things like that, and it's just. I just love them. And I say that because I like them, because I create this stuff for me. Um, not like this stuff is so good, you know? Um, so, yeah, I'm just really happy with it. And so thank you again to Gato um, for the invitation there and for Mighty Tanaka again for putting me in touch uh, with the gallery. Now, I'm going to make it personal, John. Good. First time I ever saw this gentleman working yes. was at a really weird project in Brooklyn called Sonic Jungle. Yeah. Mm. No jungle. I remember. I do remember that. There were no, there were no trees. Yeah, I don't think anyone ever got to see that, did they? More like a concrete cavern. I actually went there the other day because I was working with a, I was working at Skate Yogi, um, teaching skateboarding class, oh, it's right there. and um, it's right next mm. to it. And I tried to get into the building and I couldn't get in. But um, I just wanted to like go downstairs and take photos and remind people of like, you know, I think this 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 is an important topic because it really goes it goes into kind of like how. So, you know, we all love to paint and we all like to create, but uh, this is a business um, if, if that's what you want to do. If you want to live off this, it's a business, and you need to look at it as if it's a business. And um, unfortunately, sometimes you have to let go of projects if, if you don't think that they're going to be viable. Um, but I think that, it, I, you know, I don't know what happened with this project, but from me being there and seeing what had happened, um, I had painted a wall in this basement, Everybody was promised that they were going to get things reimbursed and that there was going to be a big party where everybody can come and enjoy all of the work that was being painted. Um, we were somewhat scolded at one point where all the artists <laughs> were brought into the middle and scolded because we should be painting a, a certain thing. Like a certain kindergarten jungle class. Theme, which literally. was nuts because no one was getting paid. I understand we all want to have fun and paint, and it's all good. Oh, like, no, but it we was so condescending yes, the way it, it was really done. Was. It was not just about being scolded. It was the tone. I mean, it was like, everybody put your hand out and be slapped yeah, by the Yeah, it really was. That the was poor... the first time I met Damian Mitchell, Martha Alicia. <laughs> yeah. That was the first time I ever saw her working. That was the first time Big Ronnie Jeff played. Was there. That was my, uh, Big I, Ronnie I, I, got Cram, up. Cram and John were painting. That, yes. yeah. um, Outer Source came, and then me and him did yeah, a collaboration. Q Molly came and Q helped was me there. with a, with a, with a <laughs> yeah, City Kitty did some stuff up there, too. Yeah. So there was, yeah, there was so many people. And unfortunately, I think the gangsters. person who put the thing on, uh, who I, I believe is another artist, also didn't really know what was going on. And I think that they got kind of screwed over with it as well, and people were pissed off at him. Um, but... You know, I think this goes down to, again, um, they have us all fighting against each other. Um, and and I, you see this more and more in politics and in the media and in, you know, all these things where they kind of have us competing against each other. And we shouldn't be doing that. We're, like, supposed to be working together as, as a family, quote, unquote. But this is a business. And, um, and you have to keep that in mind. And sometimes you do have to say no. And sometimes you have to ask yourself, what can you do for me that I can't do for myself? Because, like, I can show at your gallery, but, like, do you, 
you know, I need to make certain amount of sales. Do you have people who are coming to buy? Am I going to be paying for everything? Right. Am I bringing in the alcohol sponsor? Am I, you know, all these things that you don't have to think about and they don't have to be on, on your mind. But if this is a business, you have to cover all those things. You know? I think that's an important thing to say, especially for, uh, you know, a lot of artists who, especially young artists who really love the idea of being able to be free and creative and all that thing, but not really thinking about the business aspect. And so with that in mind, what would, you know, I think Big Ronnie normally asks this, but what, what advice would you give to someone, you know, just entering the, the, uh, the art industry as far as, um, you know, making sure they're keeping track of you know, money at the same time as following their passion. You're never going to be famous. Don't ever, ever, ever get into this because you think that you're going to be famous. Or you're pretty famous. You think that you're no way, dude. No, no, way. no way. Um, this is not about that. This is about, no, I don't, I'm not saying what this is about, but if you do get but into it for that, your you art's still in crap. Me, anyway. you ask me, I just think that my advice is to do what you're passionate about and to have, to enjoy it. Um, and I think your worst enemy is uh, looking at other people and seeing what they're doing. Is comparison. Um, I forget what it's called, like the 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 side like the side eyes or like how horses have that mm-hmm. peripheral. Peripheral, vision. peripheral vision. Yeah. Peripheral mm-hmm. vision is your greatest enemy because mm. when because it's it's all a lie because your peripheral vision is through this crazy phone where someone's like, "This is my life, bro," mm-hmm. you know, and. Uh, it's really unfortunate that so many people, that's a thing that hurts so many people, including myself. You know, I mean, this is a normal human thing. Um, but I guess, like, if you're just starting, really, really, really know that this is a business, that you should be taking some kind of business class or just working in a gallery or something where you, you have to go to work. Go to work. Go to work. Go get a job. Go to work. Just, like, see what the deal is. Become an artist assistant. Just... Get Successful artists have, have the best work ethic. Um, and, uh, like, just being an artist and painting is a job. So it is a job for me to get up and paint. Sometimes I don't want to paint. But uh, you still have to. I, I have I have to because I have yeah. this exhibit now. And I, but, you know, like, it, it, it is a job. And it's not. It's never going to be this thing of, of, oh, I finally reached there. That's never. It's like how they explain alcoholism to you you don't get to a cliff and then suddenly you look off the cliff and you're like there's alcoholism you walk down it and finally you're at the bottom and you're like holy shit here now this is this is where i am um and i think it's kind of the same for your sometimes for your you know for careers any career but you slowly get there you know and Mm -hmm. you do projects that build on themselves and on each other and you make connections um but as an artist, your job is to go to exhibits and talk to people and market yourself. And if you're trying to live off that, if not, it's all good, man. You don't have to do anything. Just have fun. You know, enjoy it. So to recap for our soul listeners, Ramiro says either be prepared or don't. <laughs> it's the seven P's that I got taught in 10th uh, in grade uh, um, physics or maybe it wasn't biology. Seven P's. Um, Wow, I forget them. I'm not prepared now. <laughs> uh, it's proper. It's proper planning prevents piss poor performance, and you better pre- better remember that. I'm going to say it a little different. Those who fail to prepare, prepare to fail. <laughs> Same thing. You have to plan, and if you don't have an end game for what you're going to sell, 
then why are you creating? Are you creating to have? Are you creating to give away? Are you tre- creating to keep and hoard? Those are all viable. Absolutely. But not paying your rent is not viable. So if you don't have a way to go about it and you believe you're a professional artist and you're going that direction, you have to make money. You have to be smart with your money. You have to pay your taxes. You have to you know, make sure that the splits are right. And you have to make sure you're not paying too much for walls or paint or transportation or everything. So is, does that only come with experience? Um, yeah, because it's like, it's just, a, you're just a human, you know? And like, even the most successful artist that's 21 has no fucking idea what they're doing. Um, they don't have life experience, you know? Like, there's some, they, they might be very good at their craft, but there's someone there who's helping them move along and do those kind of things. Um, I think as you get older, you realize that there isn't this door that you suddenly walk through. And, you know, unless you get, and not you get lucky, but you work so hard and you also have some kind of connection and luck where, yes, suddenly you made this movie or this painting just sold for half a million dollars. or And then the door kind of opens there. But that's not reality, and I think people should step away from that. One of my business mentors always told me that preparation multiplies luck, that everyone is a little bit lucky, everyone gets lucky, every famous musician or famous person will say, there was luck along the way. But if you weren't prepared... To take advantage of those situations, you were well. Right. You, you had to be there, and you had to not be drunk, and you had to deliver, and you had to be nice, and you had to get the call. There's a lot of had tos that go into maximizing an opportunity, even if that opportunity is blind luck. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I mean, people just have to be prepared. Stop going to places drunk. Stop doing drugs. Stop getting high. If you're going to a play, you know, like if you're going to a meeting, do it after. You know, right. just come on, man. This is a business. And we're in New York City. We this are? Is, this is where this is the most amount of money in the whole world is right here. So if you're going to do something, this is where you're going to do it. I can't make these kind of sales and these kind of connections. I don't – in in Bumble F, you know, whatever. Not because I don't want to insult any states. Western yeah, 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 no, no, no. I, I wasn't going there. I, but, you know, um, you, sometimes you can't. Um, you can live a different life. So, like, if you're a homeowner and you're being able to pay off your home and still do your things and create art – Absolutely, that's great, and do it wherever you can. But we're here. You we gotta take advantage of this. Um, also, like, you know, the next storm could just take out the subways. So you better, you better get on it, man. Or learn to swim. Yeah. Well, well yeah. <laughs> yeah. Water World. Kevin Costner. What was the Tool right. song? Was it Tool or Perfect Circle? My advice to you is to learn to swim because you have no chance of surviving long term. So, how's that? I like it. Now, before we break with you, sir, please give our listeners. The spiel, where they can find you online, how they can give you some money or not. Well, first, thank you guys for having me. Um, super, super psyched. Uh, you guys can find me on Instagram at Ramiro, R-A-M-I-R-O, Studios. Um, my website's also RamiroStudios.com. Uh, and then we have our Dripped On, our Do The Road project, um, is having his second episode of season four. And they are coming out this week, I think. I'm not sure when this will air, but it's coming out this uh, second week of January. And um, we still have two more episodes to come out. So definitely stay tuned. Uh, this is from our October 2018 trip. And it will be, you can find it on at Do The Road um, or at www.dotheroad.com. Um, we have all of our videos and our documentary series um, there. Any final questions before we wrap up with this uh, fine gentleman? Ah. Oh. The usual question I'd love to ask him. So, if 
If you had to cho- be able to choose anyone, living and or dead, to do a collaboration with, who's the one artist that you'd want to collaborate with? Well, that's a great question, huh? Um, I mean, probably everyone says Hieronymus Bosch. Um, but <laughs> fuck, sorry. Oh. Um, I'm not gonna. No, I'm not saying that one. I'm just saying that I can see how many people would like that. Um, probably living Ralph Steadman, but really living uh, dead um, Hunter Thompson because oh. I would love to, to illustrate just his illustrate thoughts. something. Dude, yeah, yeah. No I was kidding. gonna ask yeah, you yeah. for somebody yeah. non-visual, um, so that's perfect. Oh no, yeah, that's it's interesting. Perfect. I, wasn't I understand that, that on. Hmm. So many levels because mm. just trying to find a, a pinpoint into his mania would be brilliant. It would be so cool. Yeah. So. Has, has there ever been, and if, if this is an obviously stupid question, just tell me, but has there been an, a, a more iconic writer and illustrator um, in literature? That's a, probably a question for Grace because I'm more of the, I have no idea. I don't know books. I'll probably forget <laughs> that by the time we uh, speak with her, but yeah, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, like N.C. Wyeth. Sorry, but N.C. Wyeth, the classic oh, illustrator yeah, 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 from... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my God, the with Western like the... Artists. Well, Western, and then also he did like all of the Kidnapped and all of the big books by Robert Louis Stevenson and all that. And, of course, he fathered uh, Andrew Wyeth. Oh, okay, so. okay, that's fine, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that's my answer, although I could go on this, this forever. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to stop right there. Thank you guys so much, and also thanks to everybody that keeps supporting me, people that keep coming to, uh, to the studio, um, and uh, to everybody, including my uh, co-directors from Dripped on the Road, um, John and Denton, and Lisa for being our videographer and putting everything together. Thank you guys for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much, brother, and we are sold out with Ramiro.